I'm Dr. Jill Weiner. I'm a white woman, a doctor, a meditation teacher, a tapping practitioner, a writer, and I'm an aspiring anti-racist, an identity which I must constantly strive towards, work on, and reevaluate. This podcast amplifies the powerful voices of women and men in all aspects of the anti-racist space, along with some of my own insights and explorations on topic ranging from healthcare to spirituality to criminal justice and beyond. In order to provide a nuanced, educational, and honest examination of systemic racism and dominant culture. Before I start, I would like to do a land acknowledgement that this podcast episode is being recorded on the stolen Creek and Muscogee lands. All right. So today I would like to talk about something I saw on Instagram around emotional labor. So basically it is the, the, the post that I'm talking about, there's a white I, I I probably don't need to say blonde. I don't know if that's important or not, but like a white woman who talks a lot about um, kind of sexism and men who don't step up to care for their wives, to, to not just to care for them, but like to do um, around the house, to, to take ownership over household things, not because the wife tells them to do it, but because they are taking ownership of it. And she has a lot of really good points. There's something about her that always kind of bugs me, which is probably because, I don't know, probably because she's uh, more like me than I would like to realize or, or, or admit, but like her points are good. She talks about weaponized incompetence, how, how men might um, say they can't do something or not do it well so that the woman then just does it for them. And it's helped me a lot uh, in my own life and and my husband and I have talked about what weaponizing competence is and I'll kind of call it out. And when I see it in him and I do it sometimes, you know, like it's not that I think women probably do that too. I think we would say, Oh no, I can't do that. But, and they, they leave it for the man to do. So I think it's something that could potentially happen in both directions, but in the house, she's talking specifically about household stuff that there is this weaponizing competence. So And what she does is she kind of like puts herself on the screen with the specific issue that she's uh, real or or video that she's either agreeing with or disagreeing with. And so she puts herself on the screen with them and kind of makes some faces and then explains why the thing is either problematic or, you know, wonderful. So this last one she is on with... um, this other woman who is like even more thin, white, blonde, very like stereotypical white blonde woman, very attractive. And this woman is on there. And, and the whole point of this is, is, is the, the person on, you know, whose Instagram account it is the woman I was just talking about. She's agreeing with what this woman said. She's like, yes, you know, this is, this is what we need to be thinking about. And the woman is on there talking about um, emotional labor. It's It was a Mother's Day post, I think. And she was talking about how her husband, uh, you know, it was Mother's Day and her and her sister and her mom were all preparing Mother's Day lunch 
and none of the men were doing it and they'd, you know, they'd be doing it. The women would be doing it for father's day also. And just kind of talking about not just the emotional labor that they were having to put in, even though, though they are the ones that are theoretically being, that are, you know, are being honored on mother's day. But then she starts to talk about the emotional labor that women put in for other women when their husbands or their partners or their, the men in their lives don't show up. And she has a, she's got a great point. Everything she's saying is, is true. There is a lot of emotional labor that goes in and she starts to cry as she's talking about it because she's so frustrated and she starts to cry and she's like, sorry, my voice sounds, it was kind of funny. She said, you know, my voice sounds horrible when I cry. And for any of you who, you know, are going to attack me for recording myself crying, like F you. And she, you know, shoots a bird at the camera. So she was being kind of irreverent about it. But what struck me was a, was a couple things. First off, the tears. Second off, the tears in the context of this discussion. And second off, the complete lack of any sort of acknowledgement of the emotional labor that Black people, Black women um, have had to take on in the face of whiteness, particularly white women, when they cry, they get uncomfortable, they get upset, then it all becomes about the white woman educating the white, because this woman was saying, oh, we have to educate the men about, about all this. And it's like over and over again, and we have to do all this emotional labor. So yes, everything she was saying was true in my opinion, and white women are just kind of, I'm a white woman, so I am part of this, but, but historically, and if you read, you know, articles and listen to videos and, and books and everything and talk to black women, white women have this way, and it's a culturally kind of indoctrinated thing. It's most of the time not not, I don't think it's necessarily like overt, like I know this is all happening and I'm going to put the attention on me, but you can imagine a conversation between um, a black woman and a white woman, and maybe the white woman does or says something and that's inappropriate. And maybe the black woman says, hey, I don't think that's okay. Here's why. The white woman starts to cry because the white woman feels bad and starts to feel shame or defensiveness or anger or whatever. As soon as the white woman starts to cry, the whole conversation shifts to that white person, that white woman, and making her comfortable. There's this thing with white women's tears that it's like, God forbid a white woman cries, everything stops, and, and then becomes centered around the white woman. Rather than the fact that this white woman has said something inappropriate or offensive and... Um, caused harm to the black woman or to, you know, whoever else it's about. So white woman tears can be dangerous. They can be weaponized and they can cause a lot of harm. Emmett Till, I don't, I'm, I am not a historian, but he is an example. And there are many, many examples of a white woman saying, oh, that black man looked at me wrong or touched me or did something else to me. And, and crying and being upset. And then it's all about comforting the white woman and, and vilifying 
the black man who has somehow, you know, dared to threaten this purity of, of this whiteness of this white woman. And then black men got lynched. Black people got, got, um, arrested, killed for making, basically for making white women cry. And a lot of times the crying was actually weaponized, uh, intentionally. So I don't think there's anything, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with complaining or mentioning or noting when sexism or misogyny shows up. I am, I'm all about that. I, I will do that. I will try to do that in a way with my partner where if I'm upset, he knows I'm upset, but we can talk about it. I bring it up in other spaces as well. And I think that the conversation is not only incomplete, but it perpetuates, it perpetuates white supremacy and this myth of the perfection of white women or the, you know, unassailable character uh, of white women. If we don't talk about all the emotional labor and, and beyond that, it's not just emotional labor, it's actual danger caused by, by white women and, and white tears, but how many times have black people, black women have to, had to explain to white people, this is why that's racist. Hey, that's not okay. This is why that's problematic. Hey, could you not do this? Hey, could you not do that? And do it in a way that doesn't come across as threatening. Because of course, if it comes across as threatening, they get labeled as angry. They get labeled as, as argumentative, as playing the race card, et cetera. So that's emotional labor. Yes, it's emotional labor for as a white woman, for me to explain stuff to my husband or to other men, yes. But that is a fraction. So like, yes, holding space for that. And also I can't, I can't, I can't even talk about that without acknowledging the fullness of the picture of emotional labor. And I would say, I, I don't know this, so I don't even know if I should say it, but I, I would probably say the term emotional labor was probably coined by a brilliant black woman. And now it's being appropriated by white women talking about, talking about, um, you know, the emotional labor of, of talking to their, of talking to other men. I'm, I am, I could be wrong. Like if you're listening and you want to look it up, I'll try to look it up after I'm recording. So I wasn't even thinking I was going to talk about that, but it is probably an appropriated term knowing the history of what, of how uh, ideas and, and terminology created by black people get appropriated by white people. So I would just encourage when we use the term emotional labor, when we're feeling put out by having to explain something to somebody, and by we, I mean, as white people, I would just encourage us, myself included, to really think about, I am doing this as part of a bigger, I'm doing this as part of a bigger um, movement. I'm doing this as part of a bigger uh, history of emotional labor. And I'm doing it and it sucks. And it. I wish I didn't have to do it. And before I go on social media and start complaining about how hard it is for me and not acknowledging the broader history, the broader context of what emotional labor can look like. Because this woman's life was not in danger. 
as she was explaining to her husband. This woman wasn't going to be, you know, reported to her boss, you know, wasn't going to report her to her boss for being angry. Because she was talking about, like, she actually has their quote-unquote progressive and they 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 try to be be better. So she's doing this in a very safe place and her tears... Not that women shouldn't cry. I cry all the time. I literally cry all the time. But just thinking about it in the context, are we pulling the attention as white women? Are we pulling the attention to ourselves, centering ourselves in this in this movement, in this um, uh, society, in this culture? Are we centering ourselves and by doing so, taking away the attention from, from work that has been done and continues to be done, you know, for hundreds of years by people who are not white women and finding some way to honor that as we have those conversations, as we feel put upon, as we feel, um, frustrated, feel frustrated, feel put upon. Cool. I do. I feel frustrated and put upon. I do. And acknowledge the complexity of it. Acknowledge the both and I feel this way and there's been this whole other history, this whole continuation in this whole present of emotional labor that happens because of people that look like me, of harm that happens because of people that look like me, whether or not I like hearing that, whether or not I want to think about myself as part of that or complicit in any way, it's, it's what has happened. And, um, it's something to, think, something to think about, you know? It bugged me. I was watching it, it bugged me because I do it. I complain. And um, I want to myself do a better job of honoring the experiences of other women, Black women, non-white women who have done so much to advocate for women's rights. And And, and the last thing I'll say, which I haven't mentioned, White feminism, historically, has been extremely, extremely racist. White feminism, feminist movements <clears throat> have partnered with Black women when it suits them. And then when it comes down to it to get a, a, a law passed or to get a compromise or to get something done, they have dropped Black women and focused only on the benefits for white women. Again, I'm not a historian. I've read a lot about this, but my I just, I don't have specific things written here, but this was something that I didn't know about. I'm like, hey, I'm a white feminist, you know, or I'm a feminist thinking that that was inclusive and it's not. There's a brand of white feminism that is not inclusive and it has caused a lot of harm. And, um, it's something that's really, I think, important to learn about and, and understand. So I hope you found this helpful. If you're feeling activated in any way, <clears throat> you're feeling a little defensive as a white woman and you don't think this relates to you, I just question you, encourage you to take a moment and, you know, is that really true? Is there any time in the past that you have potentially done this or are you currently doing this? Or is there a time where you could see yourself potentially doing this in the future, even in different circumstances? Um, and, and, and also think about how can I bring in more inclusivity to 
what I'm talking about with colleagues, friends at work professionally? How can I relate what I'm going through to a larger struggle, to a larger movement that has that has been pioneered and spearheaded by by people of color, by black people who have then been left out of the conversation. And what can I do in personally to undo some of that? Thanks so much for listening. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. All right. So I have an addendum to um, my discussion about the origin of the term emotional labor, um, because I made some assumptions that it was uh, perhaps originated by uh, Black women and then co-opted by white women. And um, it looks like the term was term um, was first coined by sociologist Arlie Hochschild in a 1983 book. Um, and that talked about um, emotional labor in the professional setting on how to like, women have to like keep calm in order to keep everyone else happy. Um, so she says, um, it's the work which centrally involves trying to get the right feeling for the job. This involves evoking and suppressing feelings. Some jobs require a lot of it, some a little of it. From the flight of attendant whose job it is to be nicer than uh, natural to the bill collector, whose job it is to be, if necessary, harsher than natural. There are a variety of jobs that call for this. Teachers, nursing home attendants, and childcare workers are example. The point is that what you may be, may be doing, also doing physical labor and mental labor, you are crucially being hired and monitored for your capacity to manage and produce a feeling. So this was originally a term developed by a white woman um, who was talking about it in a work setting. Um, and she's a sociologist. And then it has kind of, when I have heard of it the most, um, is, is used by Black women, by Black people talking about the emotional labor of explaining uh, racism to white people, the emotional labor of, of, I mean, that's, I think, a big part of it without speaking for Black people. Um, and then now I'm hearing it used more by white people from that concept. So I think it was kind of adapted from this, uh, from Arlie Hochschild's um, book and now is kind of being used in, in a different way than she had intended it. But I think that's important to note. And also um, that it is totally in a different that it's a totally different um, use from how she was initially intending it. And also the way it's being currently used, whether or not this this sociologist agrees or not, the way it's currently being used um, is more uh, something that I had heard in, in anti-racism, anti-oppression spaces, and is now being in the setting that I was talking about um, used by a white woman, um, out of, out of a broader context. So, uh, thanks for your patience with me on, uh, my assumption that I made that was incorrect. And hopefully you learned a little bit from, uh, this, this information as well. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of conscious anti-racism. Please be sure to follow or like us wherever you find your podcasts and also consider leaving a rating or review. 
You can follow Conscious Anti-Racism on Instagram and Twitter at Jill Wiener, MD, J-I-L-L-W-E-N-E-R-M-D. And please check out our Conscious Anti-Racism book on Amazon.